15. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly." And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, our family's been watching a lot of superhero movies lately. Um, does anybody else like the superhero movies? Um, and I've, and I've, and I've liked superhero movies since I was a kid. I'm a, I'm a Superman guy. I'm old school. Give me some Christopher Reeve. Uh, but these new Avenger movies are, are pretty slick. Uh, a lot of, a lot of you probably have been watching them because they're entertaining. And what's entertaining about superhero movies to me is that they always have these alter egos. Like uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne, and Superman is Clark Kent, and Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and Iron Man is Tony Stark. It's, they're, they're one person with one persona, and then there's another person that carries on another persona. And they're able to kind of move between these public and private lives. And, and, and in the movies, nobody is the wiser that they're actually the same people. And it makes for really interesting cinema. It really does. It just doesn't make for a good example of the Christian life. See, see, God never intended for duplicity in the Christian walk. Becoming a Christian is supposed to be an all-encompassing endeavor. The public life and the private life are supposed to match up. And I've seen a lot of double lives in my uh, life as a Christian. A lot of them. Uh, people that um, are not superheroes, but they act like it in, in, in their lives, where they come into church on a Sunday and they put on the cape and they act like they're a caped crusader. And then as soon as they leave the church, they go back to a totally and completely different life. The title of the sermon today is you are not a superhero. And the reason why it's titled that way is that you are never intended to live a double life. You were never intended to come into this church on a Sunday or Wednesday and act a certain way and go out there and live a different life. I've seen people that are abusers, drunkards, pornographers, cheaters, liars, gossipers, thieves, druggers, gamblers, and all manner of double lives come into this church and fake it through. And then years later, it all comes out, ends up in in divorce or jail or destruction or pain and lies after lies after lies because they wanted to live that superhero life. They wanted to pretend that they were one way on a Sunday and then live their lives differently all through the rest of the week. The saddest part about it is they they were walking alone through it needlessly instead of just repenting and growing, instead of taking the gospel for what it is. 
total and complete forgiveness, total and complete restoration. God literally standing before you and saying, I want to save you and set you free. I want to forgive you of all of that nastiness, afraid of the people of God, of what they would stay, uh, what they would say, instead of just realizing you're in a room full of redeemed people that have walked through it. And the time to be set free is now. But they talk a great talk and they're pros at putting on the superhero cape on a Sunday, but that person is nowhere to be found the rest of the week and it all eventually comes to life. And none of us should want to be that person. We should want to have congruency in everything in our lives. And, and as I was going through this scripture and, and going through Matthew, for many of us, I'm sure if you've been serving Christ for at least a year, you've probably read Matthew because, you know, you get saved and you just, you know, you got to start somewhere. So you start in Matthew and then you usually quit your Bible reading plan by the halfway through, but you usually get through chapter six at least. And, um, so many of you have read this many times, um, and there's different ways that this, this thing could go, but really in this first part of it of take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may, may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, stand in the synagogues and on the corners on the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will, you, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The, the, the part of that is like, if you're going to do something nice, don't do it to be seen. If you're going to pray, don't pray to be seen. If you're going to do a charitable deed, don't be a charitable deed to be seen. But really, if you look past that, what it's really saying is who are you when no one's watching? Like, who are you when nobody's watching? Like, do you do your charitable deeds to be seen? Do you pray to be seen? Do you, do you, uh, do nice things so that you can be seen? Jesus is talking to his disciples and talking about acts of service and asking that like, this is what the hypocrites do. This is what the Pharisees do. The Pharisees do charitable deeds and they only do them for other people to see. They pray, but they only pray for other people to see. They're living a double life. And Jesus says, you know what? I don't want you to live that way. I don't want you to be those type of people that live double lives. And, and in the scripture, we see hyperbole once again. Obviously, your right hand knows what your left hand is doing. You can't separate those things. But what Jesus is getting at in these scriptures, it's the heart. Why are you doing what you are doing? And does it match up to your private life? Because anybody can do anything to be seen publicly, but the true test is the heart in private that goes past Sunday service. James 2, 4 says, what does it profit my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can his faith save him? Conversely, I would say, what does it profit a man if he has works, but no faith? What does it profit a man? See, because Jesus says, you know what? I, I, I want faith, but I also want works, but I don't just want works. I want faith as well. And, and, and people will say, well, you know, pastor, I've, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus, but the truth is they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They hide behind these words as a barrier to accountability or reality and say, well, look at what I'm doing. I'm here, aren't I? 
I'm at church, I'm, I'm serving and I'm giving and I, and I can hold it together for 90 minutes on a Sunday, but you go into and you peel back the onion of my life and I've got a horrible marriage and my kids don't believe in me and my, my coworkers think that I'm not even a Christian. I don't act like it in private or in public. I'm steeped in sin and I'm living a double life, but I sure hold it all together on Sunday for 90 minutes. True faith is private faith that you hold and exercise when no one is watching. And many people don't like me and many people don't like my sermons and many people don't like the way in which I lead our church. But man, this is not a game. Lives are at stake. Eternity is at stake. And if you don't like me, that's fine. But you will never ever say that that guy did not challenge me to live a completely committed life to Jesus Christ. I'm fine. I'm ready to stand before God. And if he says, you know, Matt, you're a little bit hard on him. I'm like, you know what, sir? I just, man, I really wanted to get as many as I could because I've lived as a Christian for 30 years and I've seen so much duplicity and it's sickening. It's the reason why we, we, we see people, in, and, and I don't want to name names, but you've seen the stories over the last week, a large Christian ministry leader that he dies and then it turns out that he's been lying to everybody around him for years. Why? Because he lived a double life. He lived in duplicity. And it's sad and it's sickening and it shouldn't be that way. And the truth is it doesn't have to be that way. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 24, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And what was the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? It was a public righteousness that didn't turn into a private righteousness. There's one that said, look at what I do. Don't look at who I am. It was one that said, you know what? What I'm doing on the outside is enough to please God on the inside. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God wants to know you and you to know him intimately. But an outward act is not the ticket. It's just not. God wants a robust private relationship with you, not one where you come into a group of believers and try to act like you got it all together on a Sunday and then you go to hell after you die. This is a safe place. Find someone to be honest about what's holding you back and let's work on it. Don't live a private, destructive existence. Things left to themselves do not get better. They get worse. You cover up mold and it spreads. Just be honest. Because all of us that have walked through our own sin will lead you to righteousness and say, man, just come to forgiveness, man. It's the best life. The God life is the best life. Second Peter 1, 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Diligence in your Christian walk requires a measure of work and commitment and honesty And I will tell you, I will take the, I can't stop drinking and cussing guy over the, yeah, I'm good guy. I just will. Like I'll take the guy that comes on saying like, how you doing bro? He's like, dude, I had another bender last night, man. I couldn't help it. I just got drunk and, 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 and I'm sad and I'm angry and I'm frustrated, but I'm here. Dude, I love you, man. Great. I'll I'll take him over the guy that comes in on a Sunday that had a bender last night and was just like, how you doing, man? I'm good. Really? I'm spiritual and I'm looking in your eyes and it looks like you're not good, but because we're at church and I just, I don't want to call you out because you're such a liar. You're going to lie when I call you out. I'm just going to let you be what the reality is, man. Just be honest. Just be honest about where you're at. 
You know, I was a wrestler in high school and, and I pick on myself for football, but the truth is I was a good wrestler. I was good at it. I wasn't amazing, but I was better than most. And I remember it, uh, in wrestling, wrestling always started in November and, uh, uh you'd always have, I'd weigh a certain weight uh, uh, in football. I'd weigh like 215 pounds. And then that would be at the end of football in October. And then I, by November, I had to be down to 190 because Dan wrestled at the rival school at heavyweight and I didn't want to have to wrestle him. And so <laughs> I, I, that was my only goal, lose 25 pounds in 30 days. So I don't have to wrestle Dan because he, he would have destroyed me. <laughs> And I, in my mind's eye, I was like, man, I'm not going to let him have that over me for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so over Christmas break, we would always go away to Christmas break. And um, our coach would always say, man, make sure you watch your eating and make sure you run over Christmas break because the, the school would be closed and she'd have to work out on your own. And we'd like, are you guys committed to this? Yeah, yeah, we're committed. We're all going to run. And then we would come back after Christmas break and he would be like, did you guys all run? And everyone's like, yeah, we ran every single day. We're high schoolers, right? I mean, yeah, all through the winter and Christmas break, we ran every single day. Then you just line us up and put us on the scale and the scale don't tell no lies, man. It was abundantly clear who was lying and who was not. It was abundantly clear who had enjoyed Christmas and who hadn't. It was clear who had been diligent. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but in their works, they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work, friend, that is a demanding scripture. That's a scripture that should scare you. And if you're here this morning, you're getting a pit in your stomach, like, oh my gosh, man, I may not make the cut. Repent today. Repent today and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Give me that deep, robust relationship with you, God. Let my private life match up with my public life. God, set me in the right place. Let me not be a Pharisee with vain repetitions. Let me not be a Pharisee with public acts of service and no private acts of service. Here's the truth. If I interviewed your coworkers, your friends, your spouse, and your kids, what would they say? I've met many a kid that was raised in a Christian church that isn't a Christian because of the way that their parents lived. Because of the hypocrisy of their parents. Kids are smart, man. You kind of you, you act a certain way on Saturday night and bring your kids to church on Sunday. And they're nice. They're not going to challenge you, but they'll look and like, you know, my mom and dad are a bunch of liars. I see the way they fight during the week. And I see the way that they treat me during the week. I see the way that mom and dad are. And this Christianity ain't real. God is not real. Why do I want to serve a fake God? I don't want to be fake like them. Or I don't want to be real like them. You know, I asked my kids at dinner this week, don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. <laughs> you know, both my kids love the Lord, ma'am. They do, man. They were carrying the worship team this morning. <laughs> Everybody knows it's the drummer. Happy birthday to Tim as well. But I asked, I asked him at dinner and I said, and I really want to know because I want, I want to talk about this this morning. I said, what, what hypocrisy is there in my life? How have I failed you as a parent? 
Like when you look at my life, like, do you, do you think that I'm a real Christian? Like, or do you look at me and say, like, there's areas of your life. And <laughs> I won't say what, what Gabe said, cause it was really funny, but, um, <laughs> but he said, no, he said, no, dad, there's not. And then uh, Faith said the same thing. She goes, no, there's not. She goes, when you do something wrong, dad, you repent quickly. You ask for forgiveness. And she goes, and that's, that's real. She said, when you lose it, you always repent really fast. <laughs> you always ask for forgiveness really fast. I can't count the times I crawled into Gabe's room when he was young and in the dark. I'd wake him up and ask him to forgive me. First John 2, 4. It's the NyQuil. Don't worry. First uh, John 2, 4. <laughs> he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want my kids to not serve God because they think their pastor dad is a liar. But this has been a problem with people of faith for thousands of years. And it doesn't have to be that way. Isaiah 29, 13, he says, therefore the Lord said, and as much as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. See, God's always dealt with people throughout the ages of people that have a mouth faith and not a heart faith. They have an action faith, but not a heart faith. Ezekiel 33, 31. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Friend, get your heart close to God. Spend personal time with him. Worship him. Live for him. Pray, God, get my motives right. Lord, help me tear out these things inside of me that are not of you. Help me to live for you. Be around other Christian people and be honest and say, man, I struggle with this every single day. And I just need someone to hold me accountable because I want to make it to heaven. I don't want to live a double life. We don't want to be the people that described in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. I appreciate your patience with me as we walk through this as a church. And I know that I sound like a broken record because it's important. You know, as a growing church, we're constantly adding new people. And for some of you that have been here for five or six years, if you're like, Pastor, I got it together. Why do you keep preaching this? If you're saying that in your heart, you got some pride you need to work on. Because I'll tell you, when I hear a message like this, what I do is I just look inside and I'm like, Lord, if there be anything in me, oh, remove it, Father. And then I ask my wife, my kids, or another Christian brother, I'm like, dude, what do you see in me that I need to change, man? Because I want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Jude 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord and our uh, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what these people do. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness. And it's really just denying the Lord. It really is. God, God, God's grace never intended for you to live a life of sin. Shall we sin anymore because grace abounds by no means at all? By no means. And, 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 and again, I, we, we all struggle and we all slip and fall, but you know, it's, it's this life, it's this lifestyle of sin. It's this lifestyle that says, man, I'm just going to live totally and completely different than the word of God and think that it's okay. And it's just not okay, man. It's just not. 
Where did, there it is. In Job chapter 1, and, and for those of you that do not know, Job is actually considered the oldest book in the Bible, the first written. Job chapter 1, 6 through 9. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan and also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered, the Lord said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Why, why do I read that scripture? God knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> that should either encourage you or challenge you. Yeah. You can fake it to me, man. You can hold it together for decades in front of me because I'm not that smart. But you can't lie to God. Yeah. You just can't. God looked at Job and said, you know what, this guy, there's no one like him. He's blameless and upright. He fears me and he shuns evil. He didn't say he was perfect. He didn't say he was perfect. He said he fears me and he shuns evil. Here's the second part of this sermon. You got to pray right in private. Now, public prayers aren't wrong. I'm your pastor and I pray publicly usually every single Sunday. Um, God, God just doesn't want vain repetitions or grandstanding for the sake of outward piety. The truth is, is that I pray different publicly than in privately. Why? Because as a, as a pastor, as an overseer, as a bishop, I exhort you in prayer. I, there, there's a certain different type of prayer that I pray in public than in private. And in private, obviously, it's differently. But Jesus gave, gave us and is giving us a model for prayer in this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and not lead us into, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And this model of prayer can, can guide your daily prayer life. It really can. And, and people ask me, say, Pastor, how much should I pray? I'll tell you how much you should pray. More. How much should I pray more? Just pray more. I, I, I wonder about these superhero Christians, these people that live in double lives. What do they pray about? What, what does God speak to them? Like when they go before God and they're like, God, hey, how are you and me doing? And he's like, well, not good based on you, what you've been doing this week. The model is simple from the Lord's prayer. You praise God, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You pray for his kingdom to expand both in you and in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You depend on him for today. Give us this day our daily bread. You ask for forgiveness in your own life. And then you give forgiveness to other people in your life. You pray for protection to not be led into sin. Then you give him the glory. And then you just expound more on your own. How many of you would have had a better day uh, uh, if you would have prayed this prayer in the morning and asked God to keep you from the evil one instead of falling into sin later in the afternoon? I know many times where I'm like, gosh, how different would that day have went if I would have prayed that prayer this morning? And I'll tell you, if you haven't memorized the Lord's Prayer, you should. You should. You know, it's interesting being from more of an evangelical background and not more of like the uh, Lutheran Presbyterian Catholic background. All those people know the, know the Lord's prayer. We as evangelicals feel like we're kind of hip because you know, Hey, we're not, we don't do those types of things, but Jesus said it. He said, this is how you should pray. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you don't have it memorized, you should memorize it. Consider the old paths, man. Christianity wasn't invented in the 60s. It just wasn't. You know, I, I haven't talked to Pastor Amber. She's probably downstairs. Um, uh, but I would hope that she starts treach, uh, teaching it to all the kids downstairs, that all of us could set it as, a, as a, 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 a challenge within ourselves to be able to recite that prayer and hold it inside of our hearts. You notice this prayer isn't asking for God to make your life easier or give you what you want. Luke 18, 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. See, Jesus wanted people to pray because he was a prayer guy. If the Savior of the universe prayed, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we make it central to our faith? Now in the morning, having risen a long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and therefore he prayed. The Bible talks a lot about prayer. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Ephesians six eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. One of the biggest lies in Christianity is I prayed about it. Yeah. Or did you? Would you make a decision, take action, then come around and make sure that God was okay with it? I don't know why. I don't know how people get their prayers answered. And every time I talk to God, he's like, no. (laughs) Why? Like, I don't understand. God always seems to rebuke me and put me in my place and says, you know what? Why don't you be satisfied with me? Get satisfied with me. God's so clear. He's really good at saying no. (laughs) God is not impressed with how you pray. He just wants you to pray. Any old way, it's just it's just talking. It's like, Lord, I need to talk to you about some stuff, man. I'll tell you, people are always looking for a yes in their prayer life. And I'll give you a freebie. The best way to discern God's will in prayer is to ask for no's. Ask for stops, closes, redirections. Ask for lack of peace. Ask for restlessness. Ask for prophecy. Say, Lord, would you give somebody a prophetic word to confirm this in my life? And I'm not going to move until somebody does. God, if this isn't of you, shut this down. Make my stomach hurt. Don't make it easy, God. I don't want to... You know what? A lot of things in your life would go better if you just did nothing and waited on God instead of trying to move it forward. Because all you move it forward and you get it ahead of God and you're like, dang it, why didn't I just wait? And I will tell you in my own prayer life, I don't know what to pray. I mean, I'm a, I'm a real quick prayer guy. God, help my wife with everything. Help my kids with everything. Grow the church. Bless them all. You know what I mean? Kind of run out of things to say. But I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in a personal prayer language. And so I pray in the Spirit a lot, man. Why? Because I believe Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I believe in prayer language, man. I believe in tongues. I pray that way. And, and God does stuff. But God doesn't want some public superhero prayers. He wants private, intimate prayers. And, and I praise God for the Holy Ghost. I praise God that he prays on, on my behalf because 
uh, I, I'm, I'm not as verbose as you would think to be able to talk. I, I just really trust that he knows what's going on and I ask him to move in certain ways, but I just want to spend more time with him. So it's just easier to just pray in the spirit. And if you're not praying, you're not connecting with God personally. And in that time you ask him, it's, it's funny how, how prayer you can, <laughs> you can walk through it and you'd be like, Lord, I feel like you and me aren't that close. Yeah. And you say something like that. And all of a sudden it's like, then you're being close. I feel like you and me aren't connecting. And when I pray that we're not talking and we're not like, I, I'm not, wait, I'm spending time with you. I'm talking to you about my heart. I'm talking to you about where I'm at. God, there's these areas in my life I'm just kind of concerned with. God, there's this part of my life that I just, I really, I feel like I'm not honoring you. And then you hear in your still, still small voice and you hear God go, yup. God, I want to honor you. I want my public life to match up with my private life. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't, man, God, I don't want to not spend eternity with you. I want you to prepare me for heaven. I want you to get, get these things out of my life because I want a life that's pleasing to you. God, what, what needs to change about me? What do, who do I need to forgive God? Who, who in my life do I need to forgive? What, what do I need to be doing or not doing God? How can I serve you better? God, who do I need to pray for God? Who do I need to pray for in the world? Pray, pray, pray. Some of y'all don't see God move because you don't pray and seek enough. Luke eleven nine. so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. I can tell you this, now listen closely. God has given me everything I prayed for that he ever wanted me to have. God has given me everything I prayed for that he ever wanted me to have. I have never had one of my prayers go unanswered. Ever. He's answered every single one of them. And I get it, friend. Jobs, money, relationships, issues, life, the world. But here's what happens in prayer is that a lot of times people think about prayer as a way of changing God. God, Prayer does not change God. Prayer changes you. If you're worried about this world, you pray and the world may not change, but God changes the way in which you view the world so that you have more faith in him and more trust in him to be able to walk through this world you're struggling in a relationship and you're like, God, how come you can't change my spouse instead of praying, God, how come you can't change me? How come you can't break me? How come you can't make me a better servant? Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer. 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Romans 12.12, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Proverbs 15.29, he hears the prayer of the righteous. Many of you remember the challenge that I put out that we should all read our Bibles every single day. Is anybody still reading their Bible every single day? God bless you guys, man. And remember, we're not reading the whole Bible every single day. We're just reading some Bible every single day. Some of y'all are just reading my, uh, some of you men are just reading that scripture I text every morning, but you're still reading the word. I'm doing my part to get you in it. If you're a man and you're not on that text list, get with me so you can get a scripture every single day. But can we agree as a church to pray every day? And and not, not because it's, uh, people say, oh man, why I got these requirements? Doesn't God love me enough? It's like, yeah, but like, do you talk to your, if you have a spouse, do you talk to them every day? If you have a child or if you have a neighbor, do you just walk by and look at him and be like, not today. <laughs> I know I usually say hi to you, but not to, no, not today. 
And you start small and all of a sudden it grows. God, just help me today. Let me honor you today, God. Keep, keep you at the forefront of my mind in Jesus' name. Can we agree with that? Can we agree kind of scripture and prayer? I mean, it's, this is transformative stuff here at Faith and Victory. So what'd you learn? Read my Bible and pray. Can we watch what God does? You know, Pastor Moogie and his wife run prayer every single Monday, and I encourage you to come. <coughs> Pastor Kevin, he's so gracious. He just says, can you come at least once a month? Uh, but you can come every Monday if you want. Um, and uh, you, you can come. It's, it's a great time. It's just about, about an hour, and they, uh, it's, it's not public. You're not going to be put on the spot, but it's just a robust time of prayer. He starts and ends on time. It's a great time to just come in here. And I encourage you, man, if Monday night football's over. There's nothing going on anyway. You might as well come down. Um, that was funny. <laughs> All right. Here's the last part of it. I'm not losing you guys, am I? Okay, good. Here's the last part of it. You got to forgive people. That's what it says in the scripture. And let me make it as simple as possible. And this is how clear I can make it. Christians are supposed to forgive everyone. Christians are supposed to forgive everyone. True superheroes are forgiving. They don't destroy. They want Thanos to make heaven. There's no exception clauses. There are no what ifs. There are no except whens. There are no, but you don't know what they did to me's. There's no like, well, if you would have gone through what I went through, Jesus makes it very clear for if you do not forgive men, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. See here, here's the the most central part to identity as Christianity, uh, as Christians within Christianity, we have been forgiven. That's what makes us a Christian. We were in sin and God forgave us. And Jesus makes a simple request and says, since I've forgiven you, could you forgive other people as well? Because Jesus says, you know what? That's going to be a test of your heart towards me. If you don't forgive them, I'm not going to forgive you. And that's a, that's a high bar. That's a high bar. If you don't forgive other people, then I'm not going to forgive you. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. And if you are a person that holds grudges, has people you hate and don't forgive, you are wrong. God doesn't accept it. God doesn't like it. And you shouldn't either. If you have trouble forgiving somebody, again, be honest about it. Talk to somebody like, dude, I'm really struggling with forgiving this person and start praying for them every single day. God, I pray that my heart would change. Pray that my heart would change. And this is a theme that you will hear a lot within this church as well. Why? Because we all get hurt by people. We all get hurt by their words and their actions and their inaction and their abuse and their attacks, indirect and direct, accidental and purposeful. You're not exceptional. We've all been hurt. Just a lot of us have have learned to just forgive and move on. Just move on, man. Your accuser and your abuser doesn't care if they did. They'd come back and ask for forgiveness. That's what sociopaths just go around and hurt people. You just forgive them. You just go and live your life. And if it's someone close to you, you still forgive them anyway. But here's where unforgiveness is rooted. It's rooted in this thought. 
I didn't deserve to be treated that way. And sometimes that's true. You didn't. But, and, and I'll say this for what it's worth, man, I'm sorry you got hurt. But what the Bible says and what God knows is that you can't go back and make everything right. You just can't. Like you can't go back to your childhood. You can't go back to that last place you lived, to that last relationship. You can't do that. But you can forgive that broken person like God forgave you in your nastiness and move on. Look in the mirror, man. I, I, I know that some of you are super holy and have never done anything nasty. The rest of us have stuff that we're ashamed of. And so when you don't want to forgive somebody, think of, think of your nasty thoughts and your nasty actions and the times that you've hurt people and the times that you did somebody wrong. And then say, you know what, man, I wish that someone would have forgave me for that. And maybe in your heart, you can find it to forgive someone else. I want God's forgiveness. I want him to receive me into his kingdom. So I forgive and I let it go. And how do we do that? We remember what we have been forgiven from so, so much. Oh, I've been forgiven so much. Colossians 3, 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Don't think about how great you are and how you don't deserve to be treated that way. You should be thinking, I deserve even worse. I deserve, I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve you guys. I don't deserve you as friends or as your pastor. So if I get hurt, I'm just like, you know what, man? I forgive you, man. Let's just forgive each other and move on. And some unforgiving people remind me of things from years ago. And they're like, don't you remember what they did? I'm like, no. Like, I just, I don't have time to sit around and remember all the people that have hurt me. I just don't, man. I really don't. It takes, it takes so much more work to hold a grudge. It's so much easier just to forgive and move on. See, here's what the Bible says about our sins. Jeremiah 31, 34, no more shall each man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them says the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. And that's really the proof of forgiveness. The proof of Christ's forgiveness on us is that he remembers our sins no more. And if your forgiveness with other people is that you just stop thinking about it, quit thinking about the way that they hurt you. Just move on. Don't be a superhero. Don't, don't live a double life. Don't, don't be that person that acts one way in private and another way in public. Don't be a superhero that prays public prayers, but never prays private prayers. And, and don't be a superhero that doesn't forgive people that just wants to see destruction on the evil. Not at all, man. Be a superhero that says, you know what, man, I want even Lex Luthor to go to heaven. I want all the bad people to go to heaven because that truly should be our heart. Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Today's a great day to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you'd like to become one. I want you to stand up and come to this front of this altar right now and have somebody pray with you. Don't let this moment pass you by. If you're not a Christian, you'd like to become one, someone wants to pray with you. If you've been living a private life that doesn't line up with a public life of faith, and you want someone to pray for you, I want you to walk up right now and have someone pray with you.
Let today be the day. Say, Lord, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing that any longer. Today is the day. You're amongst friends. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray that we would live lives that were honoring and pleasing to you. God, that we would live in such a way that we just experience the best parts of who you are, God. Father, let us be people that have congruency in our faith, Lord. We bring honor to your name. God, I pray for those people that struggle with duplicity. God, let them know that, that they're loved here. They're welcomed here. They don't have to be perfect to be at faith and victory. Let us be a church of honesty, helping one another get into your throne of grace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.